0: WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered.
1: Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. Several big votes in front of Charlotte City Council this month, including the controversial 2040 plan, which would chart the path forward for Charlotte's growth. Also, council members could vote to give themselves raises. But first, it is Pride Month. City Council has come under fire for not passing a non-discrimination ordinance. Protests seen in Uptown ahead of their meeting just a few weeks ago. Charlotte led the state five years ago with one until the state knocked it down. Well, that ban expired a few months ago. And now, Chapel Hill, Durham, Greensboro, and other cities and towns across the state have passed inclusive protections. So, why isn't Charlotte? Joining us today, Charlotte City Councilman Tark Bakari and Larkin Eggleston. Gentlemen, thank you both for coming on. Glad to be here. Uh, a lot to talk, to talk about today. We've got the city budget, we've got the, the Charlotte 2040 plan that's made a lot of news. Um, but being Pride Month, I want to start off with the fact that you, you had some folks who, who sort of protested outside of city council last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, uh, giving you guys a hard time holding your feet to the fire because you guys have not passed a non-discrimination ordinance and you've got chapel hill and a long list of other places in this in the state that now have our city council five years ago led the way with this charge um why have we not been able to pass something like this considering that hb142
2: the sunset on it expired like six months ago larkin i'll ask you that first i'm not going to make any excuses for the timeline i wish we'd been able to do it by now Uh, but it's not because we're not committed to doing it. Uh, they will get done. And right now we're aiming for August passage. We don't have meetings in July, uh, but we're planning to do it in August. So no excuses for the, the slow timeline, but it's something that's important to us.
1: Tark in the, in the, in the past, some of the Republican members of city council were skeptical of such an ordinance. Where do you fall on this?
3: Well, I mean, to answer your first question, um, you know, it just falls into a laundry list of dumpster fires that we're in the middle of right now. So I think that's sucked all the oxygen out of the room for additional efforts. Um, you know, funny enough, I knew that this day was coming and I was, I was tired of, of on the Republican side of this issue, us always continuing to be Um, kind of caught, uh, again, not involved in the conversations and not having come up with our own thoughts or positions. So I actually pulled together for the first time in the last decade, in my experience here, uh, a group of our new young Republican leaders, um, one of which is LGBTQ. And um, I asked him and a group of them to come together and help us using Republican principles, see what we could get behind and what we could actually bring forth as additional ideas using our principles. They've come up with some amazing stuff. We've had a lot of working sessions. So when they are ready on the other side to have some dialogue on this, I can tell you we are very um, interested and passionate about bringing forth some of the thoughts we have um, proactively.
1: Would actually love to have them on Flashpoint. So uh, keep us posted on that because I actually think that's interesting to have uh, both sides of the issue, but 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 still supporting uh, gay rights. Uh, on other issues, uh, June 14th on the calendar, uh, you're going to be voting on the budget. It includes millions of dollars for CMPD, affordable housing, arts programs hit hard by the pandemic. Good news for folks at home. The city does not plan to raise your taxes. That's a big deal. Everybody likes that. However, one item that is getting some scrutiny raises for the mayor and for members of city council. Before I go any further, I do feel like context is important. That when you compare Charlotte to other cities, uh, you all are at the bottom of the list of pay and the mayor is the bottom of the list of pay. Still, when you look at the numbers and you think, oh, a 50% pay increase, that sort of thing, it it does catch people's attention. Uh, Why is the city manager recommending this? Uh, Tark, I'll begin with you.
3: Well, he's recommending it because Um, it was the easiest and most expedient way to get it jammed into the budget without all the council members who really want it looking like they actually uh, called for it. So we forced and called for a vote of it, of which nine voted yes in the straw vote and two voted against it. Um, You know, I have just a principled stance on this, which is real simple. Um, I believe that um, serving in public office, whether it's city councilmen or congressmen, um, should be a sacrifice and it should be something that we structure in every way possible, not to make a careerist type opportunity. And what I mean by that is someone who's making $20,000 a year and says, well, I could go over there and make $35,000 a year and, and get a raise. So w- what we want this to be is a sacrifice that we drop in from periods of time in our lives and that does not mean we don't want additional perspectives. We want all the perspectives. We just want to make sure this doesn't become a career position and giving raises whether they seem small in
1: dollar amounts or not is is the wrong move around that front in my opinion. Tark, what do you say to people who say that that then prohibits a certain kind of of person uh, committing themselves to public office? Because if you're making not a lot of money in your normal job, uh, at least this can offset this. And by doing this, you have a bunch of people who are upwardly mobile, have have great careers um, otherwise, and you're not really getting a representative sample uh, of Charlotte's uh, population?
3: Well, you stole Larkin's um, rebuttal, uh, and you can go and listen more of that in our last podcast episode on R&D and the QC. Uh, But my punchline to that is real simple, Um, and you can use me as a case study, right? I grew up in extreme poverty, Um, Yet through luck, through teachers, through family members, through friends, through hard work and opportunity, I was able to get myself out of there into a position where I could sacrifice a little bit of my life and give back. So I don't want the alternative universe TARC who didn't make it yet. To, to think, oh well, city council or county commission is where I'm going to go and um, and do that. I want all those perspectives, different races, different sexes, different um, economic um, mobility storylines from the beginning. However, what I don't want is for people who are still going through that journey. I want those who have been successful that then can bring those perspectives to help others in in the ways that they were helped themselves. So, in my mind, that has is a
1: barrier of importance. That, I mean. A lot of people would say that makes common sense.
2: L- Larkin why is he wrong? Well, I mean Tarek's story of, of his life is great. It's not everyone's story, and I do think this opens the door to more people for more people to serve. Um, the small detail that was left out of that first explanation is that this was a unanimous recommendation from a citizen committee that the mayor formed last year uh, around our governance structure, which had a, a, several things that came out of it. One of them was to raise our pay to on uh, to parity with the county commissioners. It still puts us towards the bottom of the list of our peer cities, so we have not suddenly made this a lucrative job, and if you actually broke it down by the number of hours most of us spend, it would still probably be somewhere close to minimum wage. But the fact of the matter is this makes it a possibility for for more people than it currently is. Uh, It does not put us near anywhere near even the middle of our peer cities. And it was a recommendation from a bipartisan group of citizens that said, this is something we need to do to, to strengthen our city council.
1: I want to talk about the Charlotte 2040 plan because uh, it, it's the most controversial issue facing you guys right now. It's basically a, a plan that's a roadmap for how the city is gonna grow for the next two decades, um, which sounds nice and pleasant. Um, and then you get into the details. Um, there's things about the, the the duplexes and triplexes and. Um, where single-family houses are going to be and that sort of thing. You probably know the story by now. If you're a viewer of Flashpoint, you're you're familiar with it. Um, Some are making this out to be now, including city staff, um, a choice between equity and the economy. Is that a, a fair choice of what this is, Larkin?
2: Well, I think one of the biggest problems with the discussion we've been having around the 2040 plan and and one of the biggest problems with everything we talk about in, in the political world is that everything becomes binary somehow and that you have to take a side and you either have to be for one thing or the other. And the fact of the matter is that this plan has things in it that are going to do great things for our community. It also has things in it that could pose challenges to our community. And so I think we've got to stop thinking that everything is just absolutely one way or the other and realize but there will be positive and negative impacts of nearly any policy we pass. Certainly something as, as comprehensive as this, no pun intended. And I think we've got to figure out how do we maximize the potential positive outcomes while mitigating the, the potential negative outcomes. Um, and we need to have a more nuanced conversation than simply we are choosing between the economy or equity in our community.
1: Is that what it comes down to you for you, Tark? Um, well, surprisingly
3: not, um, you know, it's, it's hard, but I do agree. It's hard to say that it's a binary on off for this in a position. I mean, it and I say that because I think it's riddled with with challenges all over the place. My closest binary option would be it's a choice between density and affordability, but that's not even fair because the real density that we're going to get. And of course, what I mean by that is the abolishment of single family zoning. But but beyond that, I can't fully say that because we're, we're capping the height of buildings uptown. We're saying you have to use community benefit agreements to negotiate for height and density. So part of the plan says density is important. The what the plan doesn't say is affordability is somehow contemplated. But the 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 crux of the problem we have is if it's only important if if it's duplexes or triplexes. However, when we talk about where the real density is going to be built in um, by height, you know, by multifamily units and projects and things of that nature. We are hamstringing um the private sector in this front, who we need desperately to be able to actually make these things happen over the next twenty years. And we're treating people like the right to density is something that, you know, is a, a present that will give you if you meet our demands when density in itself is the benefit.
1: Larkin, how does this thing shake out in a couple of weeks?
2: Well, I think it's gonna pass, but what I think is going to happen between now and then is what's been happening uh, in the last couple of months, which is there's going to continue to be. A dialogue between the people on council who are, are likely to vote yes for this the people, the people on council who are likely to vote no for this and the community to make this plan even better before we vote on it. So whether that ends up still being a six five vote or not, I hope it doesn't because I think that this is something that should move forward with more of a majority of council support. Um, but we will continue to try to improve it, whether that yields more votes or not. And I do think it'll pass on the 21st. All
1: right, Tark Bakari, Larkin Nicholson. Gentlemen, thank you as always, we appreciate it. Thank you. All right, more Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Joining us for the second part of our show, the Communications Director for Charlotte Pride, Matt Comer. Thank you as always for coming back on, we appreciate it. Good morning, Ben, glad to be here. In our last segment we spoke to uh, Tark Bakari and Larkin Eggleston, two members of city council uh, and we asked them about the non-discrimination ordinance as you well know Charlotte passed it 5 years ago but was overturned by the by the state it's now able to do it again and several other cities have sort of led the way in an issue that Charlotte was once sort of spearheading the issue. Uh, Larkin said to me that he wasn't going to make any excuses for the timeline. This should have already been done. They hope to tackle it in August. Tark said something else interesting, that from a Republican standpoint, he's putting together a, a group of younger Republicans to tackle this from a conservative issue uh, standpoint. Um, what's your reaction? Now, a lot of folks have been frustrated by the fact the city's not passed this thing yet.
4: Yeah, well, first I would say that that it's time. It's just simply time. You know, Charlotte did lead the way five years ago and it's it's time for us uh, at this point to to follow the lead of other cities. So um, our, our position is there is no excuse for not getting this done. Uh, we'd like to see that timeline sped up, but uh, certainly getting an ordinance on the books will be better than having no ordinance. So um, we hope City Council can figure it out. I will say, to, to Tarek's point, that this is a nonpartisan issue. Um, a recent survey that I saw said 73% of uh, people uh, are in favor of non discrimination uh, protection. So, uh, this is a
1: nonpartisan issue. I'm glad to see that people from all different political parties are lining up to support this. And one could certainly make a conservative case about small government. Um, supporting uh, gay rights out there, which I think is part of what uh, Tark and his group is, is, is talking about. Um, broader picture here, it, it's it's uh, Pride Month across the country. Um, it's become very mainstream. Um, f- first of all, is, is that what the gay rights movement wanted this whole time going back 50 years to Stonewall? Is that it to be mainstream or is it something more than that?
4: I think LGBTQ people always wanted a world in which they could live free and unencumbered uh, from discrimination and prejudice and violence. Uh, we're getting there, but we're certainly not there yet. Black trans women in particular, continue to face incredibly high rates of discrimination and violence. It's good to see that there are ma- there's mainstream support. Uh, when I was a, a child, I did not see uh the department stores or retail stores putting rainbow uh, retail items out on sale in june or any other time of the month and so i think it's good for young lgbtq people to see that sense of support and affirmation when they're just out and about in their regular lives uh, they may still be closeted then you know this may give them a little bit of support but we are not in a world where lgbtq acceptance is universal uh, although it seems very mainstream we have pockets of our community that are still uh, incredibly discriminated against. And going back to the discussion of the non-discrimination ordinance, that is why laws like these are necessary.
1: Um, I- I'm so glad that you brought up uh, black trans women because uh, on a show like Flashpoint, um, you-, you know, a- a- and just in general mainstream media, black trans women are not talked about enough. And here in Charlotte, you had two women killed this spring. Um, and-, and Charlotte even getting a horrible score from HRC uh, uh, about uh, SORT OF ENVIRONMENTS FOR, for TRANS PEOPLE BECAUSE uh, OF MURDERS LIKE THAT. Um, WHAT CAN BE DONE to, TO TAKE SORT OF THE MAINSTREAM ACCEPTANCE OF THE GAY RIGHTS COMMUNITY, WHICH IS FAIRLY MAINSTREAM RIGHT NOW, AND EXTEND THAT TO to BLACK TRANS WOMEN AND OTHER MEMBERS uh, OF THE TRANS COMMUNITY? WELL, FIRST, first WE DO NEED NON-DISCRIMINATION PROTECTIONS. Uh, THE EXPERIENCE OF LGBTQ PEOPLE, PARTICULARLY
4: TRANSGENDER PEOPLE, BLACK TRANS WOMEN, Um, They are really impacted in areas around employment, in areas around housing. If you can't find a place to live or a place to work because you are LGBTQ, you can't live. And so non-discrimination protections, first, I would say is is necessary. Second, the issues that a lot of LGBTQ people face, especially low-income LGBTQ people, are not different from the issues that other low income people face. So I'm glad that the city is talking about the comprehensive plan. They have put equity as a focus in the comprehensive plan, because what's going to create equitable communities for all people is also going to affect LGBTQ people. LGBTQ people need places to live, to work. They need good parks, good schools. So this is, you know, when we talk about LGBTQ rights, we always have to be cognizant that we can't divorce it from larger conversations of social justice and equity in, in our larger communities and cities.
1: Um, broader picture, uh, a lot of well-meaning people say, okay, so it's Pride Month, let's celebrate. But wait, why do we celebrate Pride then in in, in August here in Charlotte? Not to mention that this year, you, Charlotte Pride is gonna be really an entire season for, from I believe it is September all the way through November. Explain to folks, Some people would look at this and be like, can you all get on the same page? Because it's confusing. (laughs) What what is going on? There was a day and time decades ago uh, in
4: mostly large cities where where pride events were always hosted in June and in the largest and oldest uh, pride events, New York, San Francisco, L.A., uh, they're still celebrated in June, but you know, as the community has grown, local communities have wanted to celebrate pride. And uh, for various reasons, those those celebrations have floated around the calendar. Here in Charlotte, it's actually a really boring reason. Um, it just comes down to calendaring with the city. There's lo- the city already has lots of major events in uh, late spring, early summer. And so we had to find a place in the calendar where we could continue to grow our event in August, uh, was that August before the Panthers start uh, their season? So really boring reason, actually. But this year we do we celebrate Pride in June, celebrate it in July with Charlotte Black Pride their events in in mid July, and then starting in August we get a full Charlotte Pride season with a weekend of service, a festival, a parade in October date to be announced very soon, I promise. Uh, and we'll have a lot more activities uh, all the way through
1: November. Proving you can celebrate Pride really year round now which is uh we
4: know we might do that
1: (laughs) a a great thing all right matt comer with charlotte pride matt thank you we appreciate it come back thank you very much all right take care more flashpoint after this welcome back to flashpoint this past week a big money decision that could impact your child's education mecklenburg county leaders approving a two billion dollar budget one that withheld 56 million from cms the county says the district can get that money when it produces a, a plan to close achievement gaps for minority students. WCNC Charlotte's Hunter Signs shows us what it could mean for local families.
0: A majority of commissioners say this isn't an effort to hold CMS accountable, but others believe this will further hurt students. The school district slamming the county for what they did, saying they will challenge this in dispute resolution for the funds they need. In a 7-2 vote, Mecklenburg County commissioners approved a budget that will put $56 million on hold for CMS. None of us think the same or have had the same experiences. I don't take any of these decisions lightly. The board will release the money on one condition, release a measurable strategic plan, the move applauded by some in the community.
2: We do not have a crisis in finance. We have a leadership crisis. Thank you
1: for commissioners. Or taking a stand.
0: But not all.
1: Schools are
3: a
0: reflection of our society and can't fix what society has broken. If we repair our community, then our schools will reflect that. The Commissioners that themselves say, chiming so in at really the 11th hour. Even,
2: schools and teachers take a beating, and we're holding the bat. People can't read and write and do arithmetic. We
0: must do it. The county promises the move will not hurt children, but in a three-page news release Tuesday night, CMS says it will, noting half of the hold will impact funding for principals and assistant principals, among others, and will eliminate the ability to provide pay raises for all teachers. How School board chair Elise Dashu dash saying in part, quote, we will not stand by while the county impedes our efforts to educate students the school district says they will now challenge this understate law, which means CMS and the county will have to meet again in person within seven days, and then this will likely head towards mediation. In Charlotte, Hunter Signs, WCNC, Charlotte.
1: Hunter, thanks. More Flashpoint right after this. Before we go, a reminder, come chat with me on social media. If there's something you want us to cover here on Flashpoint, let us know. And if you ever miss an episode, A reminder, you can hear the show on our podcast. Yes, Flashpoint has a podcast, folks. And a reminder, we do not have a show next weekend, so keep that in mind. But I'll see you Monday morning on Wake Up Charlotte.